Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft... The Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome in to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt57, and I've got a full room here. We've got everybody here. It's our big season preview episode. We're very excited to get to this episode, but before we do all that, uh, I just want to give everyone a kind of a uh, an update on the situation and just like the status of our website. Like This is a very new thing. Um, we've only been around for about six months now as an independent site. Uh, yeah, we're part of this for hockey fans network, but that's basic. There's no, no big corporate, uh, no big corporation behind all that. It's us and all of our sibling websites that all got laid off by Vox media, uh, earlier this year because they seemed like they saw little to no value in what we do. But if you're listening to this episode, we think that you might think differently about that. So if you want to support our work and ensure that we can keep this place going for the entire Connor Bedard era and maybe beyond that, seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we've got some things that you can do to help us out. First off, wherever it is you are listening to this podcast, leave us a five-star review. Leave us – say some nice things in the review. If you leave us four stars or free, we're, we assume you're a Blues fan. Uh, the, another thing you can do, visit secondcityhockey.com. We will have previews and recaps of every game all season long. If you're watching the game at home by yourself and you want to talk about the game with other Blackhawks fans, we will have game threads for every Blackhawks game all season long. Um, that website is also where we're going to have exclusive content – all season long, that is just for our subscribers. There will be prospect reports. There's going to be player analysis. Uh, we're going to be doing more deeper dives on some of the younger players all season long. And if that is probably the best way you can support us now and down the road is by signing up for either one of the subscription tiers, $5 a month. That's what, like the price of a puck, I think. That gets you into the Corey Crawford tier. Two pucks, $10 a month. That's the counter Bedard tier. Each one has its own perks. Details are up at the website and you can sign up through secondcityhockey.com. And if that all isn't enough for you, you still want to support us even more. We've got merch. That's at secondcityhockey.com on the navigation bar. Click merch. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, socks, or not socks, shoes, slippers, clocks, stickers, a whole bunch of stuff. Go go check it out. Another way you can support us and ensure we can keep doing what we're doing. And uh, the last thing we'll tell you is spread the word about our website. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell an, tell an enemy, whatever. Uh, anything you can do. Uh, we just want this to become one of the biggest and best places on the internet for people to talk and watch and read about Blackhawks hockey. And uh, I think we're all, we're all along for the ride. We're all just getting started here. So uh, we invite you and anyone else you know to come along with us. So now that that lengthy preamble is out of the way, I guess I could bring everybody else in because they've been waiting quietly for uh, Fett. Up first, 
Uh, I forgot. Hang on. We have to we have to change up the order because I forgot to do something. Uh, we're going to introduce first. She's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey bulletin wall of text. It's Betsy. I have just become the like everybody's like the whole um, Atlanta might get another hockey team uh, thing has been going on for a couple of months and everybody's like, where even is this place? So now I'm officially like the person who's like, I can tell you. And then I'll say words like outside the perimeter and they'll be like the perimeter of what? I'll be like, I was like the perimeter of this weird highway that wraps around Atlanta. I don't know how to explain it. Like it's so stupid. Um, does Atlanta deserve a third team? I don't know, but I am hopeful. <laughs> do we do we need to add a official Atlanta correspondent to your title? Uh, once they build the arena and I can go to, it's going to be so far away. Though. <laughs> um, we were talking. Somebody was talking about how great it is for the Braves because the Braves are like where the people are, but the Braves are only like 15 miles from where they used to be. Like it, do- it feels like it's farther because they're in the suburbs, but they're still. It's still technically only 15 miles. It takes like 40 minutes because of traffic, but still, that's not this far. Is, this that, is, is, that, gonna, is the stadium going to be anywhere near where the stadiums were the Falcons and the Hawks play? Atlanta no, Hawks, not. No. no. Okay. Both of the, so that's, all, that's the only part of Atlanta I know because I was there a year ago. Both of those are in downtown. Um, the Braves play in a place called Cumberland, which is uh, northwest ish um and then the where the arena is supposedly going to be is like 30 ish miles northwest um of the downtown area the gladiators aren't that far away from them probably like 20 minutes so if anybody's ever been to where the gladiators are um they're up a completely different highway but (laughs) they're not that far apart getting to the gladiators last time I, i did i went to a thrashers night and it took an hour to get we, to uh, we will submit all of this for the Georgia Tourism Board, I think. Is yeah, if anybody ever wants to know all about <laughs> Georgia's stupid highways and traffics, I'm your girl. <laughs> all right. Also with us this evening, he's on Twitter at Mill182, and he is to Second City Hockey what Walter Becker is the Steely Dan. It's Mill Savage. Oh, that's a good shout out. Yeah, uh, I think Spencer Hall, uh, probably the best college football sports writer in the world. Some point this summer, he tweeted out, uh, I have a week every year where I listen to nothing but Steely Dan for a week, and I'm in the middle of it right now. And I listen to a lot of Steely Dan this summer because of that tweet. And I'll take th- it. There, there's some good stuff there. I, I don't think I fully appreciated Steely Dan enough. You, you know, um, on more hockey-related terms, this is our, our season preview and we're already here. And I was like, maybe last week, our good friend of the pod, Ben Pope, uh, got the cover of the of of the of the paper. Which good, you know, happy for him there for the sports section. And it's this Bedard-related New Era Hawks piece. And up in the corner, it's like every other Chicago team in hell. And yeah. I'm just like, wow. By the time the season got here, while the Hawks are still going to have their battles, that turned around quick. I'm I'm working on an uh, on a thing that if I can put it all together and maybe up at Second City Hockey right now as you're listening to this podcast. But um, this might actually be like the last year and a half might be statistically speaking like the worst era in Chicago sports of the of this century. Uh, it's I it's think bad. It very well could be. It's real. It's real bad. 
Um, the, Even the, the women's teams that have been pretty good in their shorter lifespans are having really bad times. Yeah, and the Wolves could even win, and they wouldn't count because that's your enemy. So yeah, yeah, we don't care about the Rosemont Wolves on this podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, rough, rough time. So I mean, not bad for us to be excited about something uh, to write about. But yeah. I was like, wow, we were dead last a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, uh, every everything's everything's coming up Millhouse. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Also with us this evening, he is the official Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent, Eric Gegenheimer. That's right. Yeah, it's a it's a real sad state of affairs out there. I just feel bad for anybody who really cares about the Bears, like Dave, um, <laughs> and my dad, unfortunately, because there's just no joy to be had at all. And we've all suffered through those seasons on the teams that you care about, where it's just you just get punched in the face mm-hmm. from, from mm-hmm. jump, and mm-hmm. then it's all just downhill from there. So it's been fitting that the Spanish Love Songs released an album about a month or two ago called No Joy, and that is exactly how I feel about the Chicago Bears. And that is all I want to say about the Chicago Bears because I'm going to talk about a team that has gives me a little bit more joy, hopefully this year. Yes, moving on. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the end of Bears Corner. We're done. Um, so on Tuesday night. We will get the first official game of the Connor Bedard era with the Chicago Blackhawks when they play the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh. And then they turn around the next night and play the Boston Bruins. So obviously big season preview edition tonight. And uh, without too much more of a preamble, I think the general idea of what I'm going to do here for the group is I'm just going to throw out some prompts, some some either ors, some over unders, and hopefully we'll get to every player on the roster. And we're just going to talk about um, just everything we're and anything we're excited to see or want to see or hope to see out of the group this year. So this first one, I'm going to swing over to Betsy, Eric and Mill. If you want to chime in after Betsy talks, please do so. But this is the first question I have is Connor Bedard. Will he have more games played this season or more points scored this season, which is effectively asking you is, is he going to be a point per game player? So, Hmm. It's a hard one to answer. I think he'll be around <laughs> that because okay. I think even by himself, I think he could do that. I think anywhere between 70, like, you know, 0. 0.85, 0. 0.9 um, would be fine too. The only reason I'm, I'm iffy on it is simply because I don't, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in the rest of the lineup to support him. I know he can do a lot, but I don't think he can do as a rookie by himself. Like McDavid at least had people. Crosby had people. Kane and Taze had people around them. Uh, Bedard has the ghost of Taylor Hall. And wow, um, we've already we've already killed Taylor Hall. She's has even he's been he's I mean, he's it is. He's like a ghost a little bit. And then some rotation of. Donato, Tyler Johnson, uh, maybe Perry. I like these are all guys that their primes were if they ever had them, because I don't know if Donato ever did. Um were like <laughs> Tell us what you really think. <laughs> you know, like it's been it's been years. So I think, yeah, a point per game is probably not outside the real like that's probably pretty good. He could probably do that. Okay. But but very but not like like Crosby had 102 and 81, and this is something I think we're we're working on for an article as well. But 
Crosby had 102 in 81, uh, 81 games. Ovechkin had 106 in 81. Nate McKinnon, just for another name, was 63 and 82. Austin Matthews was 69 and 82. So that was a nice season for him. Um, so there's like it's it's hit or miss. And I I'm the the thing you mentioned about line mates, I think, is the most intriguing thing to watch not only in this season, but in the future is who's going to get to who's going to win the lottery to play with Connor Bedard. Yeah. And I mean, look at last year's team. I think this team might be a little bit better, but like maybe um, they were the worst offensive team in the league. The worst offense <laughs> and not all of it was just on the players. There wasn't a whole lot happening system wise either. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, like, let's hope. I mean, the leading point producer on the team last season was Max Domi with 49 points, and he only played 60 games with the Hawks. Yeah. So the 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 leading returning mm-hmm. the leading player that's back on the team with points last season is Andreas Athanasiu, who had a 20-20-40 season. So um and he's been skating mostly on the second line with Lucas Reichel and Phil Kurashev, and I think we'll get to I'm sure we'll loop, uh, loop them into some discussions down the road. Um, Eric or Mildred, uh, Eric, I'll ask you first. Did you have any thoughts on uh, the Bedard thing? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, looking at that Crosby season a little bit more, I think it's kind of more parallel than we think. And yeah, he had some guys, but you want to talk about ghosts of guys. Those dudes were old. Crosby had 44 more points than the next highest scorer on that Penguins team. So that feels kind of like a parallel to me about Bedard a little bit. And I'm going to say he, I think he ends up around a point per game. I think he ends up 82 something a little bit, maybe, you know, right in that wheelhouse. I think it's going to take a little while um, for him to kind of adjust to everything. But I mean, we've seen, he, he still has no problem making plays. He just, he hasn't really finished with scoring the way that I think we'll see him finish in a couple months. Um, but he's still, he's, he's facilitating and he's getting assists. So I think that that'll help him a lot as far as the points go. And it'll just, it'll take a while to figure out the lines to figure out who he's going to play with. But I think ultimately I would not be surprised to see him get up there and be right around a point again. So what you're saying is 37 year old Mark Recchi and 36 year old John LeClaire were not the best ways for Sidney Crosby to start his NHL career. Not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you want to put them up there with Perry and Felino, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, Crosby came in and he did a lot of it himself. And I, I think that it'll be the same thing with Madari. He's going to do a lot of stuff himself. And now I'm looking at who Ovechkin started with and, if you, if any of you could name any of the next five or six top scorers behind Ovechkin on the 05-06 Washington Capitals, I might just go buy you a, a, a t-shirt or something because there's no way any of you should know these names. I'm not, I, there's only one I even know, huh? Al Ifrady. <laughs> no. Mel, Mel Vesey, do either one of you have guests? There's a former Blackhawk down the list in Brian Muir who was 10th on that team with 26 points. No, no, no one, uh, no one remembers the Halkion days of Dana Zubris. I don't even remember who was Mike Green was still on the team then. I know right? that was uh, he. He showed, was he showed up before him. Yeah, it was yeah. before Green got there. This uh, number two is Adam Oates Zubris. still there. Uh, he is not. It's uh, Jeff Halpern, Brian Wilsey, Chris Clark, Matt Pettinger, Ben Clymer, Brian Sotherby. I don't know who the fuck any of these people are. Olaf Kolzig was in net. There you go. That's the only name I know. Jeff Halpern was the captain, apparently. So that team finished with 70 points. So 
that that but eventually had 106, so that was cool. Uh, Mill, did that you have anything? Around, Go ahead, Mill. Uh, I was just gonna say that was around the time, um, maybe a little bit before that the Hawks acquired. Um, uh, 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 sorry, I'm blanking. Catlat. Um, no, uh, hold Sharp. on. I'm I'm sorry. I'm hockey has been not on my mind lately. Like as far as the past, like 2006. <laughs> Once I get into midseason form here in a couple of weeks, I'll be okay with. You're my not brain you're not into crap. full re- you're not into full remember some guys mode yet. Uh, no, I'm I'm we will be remembering lots of guys <laughs> pretty well, soon. Here. Well, we've we've already remembered the ghost of Taylor Hall apparently. So, but uh, as far as the Bedard thing goes. I think he could hit it, but I would bet the under. That way, if he hits it, I'm happy that he hit it, and if he doesn't, I win money. You're you're hedging your emotional bets here. Yeah, I mean, why not? They're okay. gonna stink, so he's gonna be fun to watch. But I don't, I don't know. Uh, anyways, if I think of who I was, if if it comes up of who I was thinking of, I'll just was bring it, it up Brian Smolinski? No, I'm thinking okay. of a good player. Okay. <laughs> hey. At least leave smoke out of this. Bondra. Oh, Peter Bondra. Yeah. I okay. said that was like that weird window where he was not the Capitals, but he wasn't a Hawk yet. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Because he, he scored his 500th goal as a Hawk. Good good times. Uh, um, I also have a Peter Bondra screaming Eagle Capitals jersey, so that's like my one of my favorites. Anyways, I'm good. <laughs> Actually, Peter, Peter Bondra. Peter Bondra's on the Atlanta Thrashers that season. He was saying hi to Betsy. So wow, we just came full circle. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so, so that's why they don't pay me the big bucks. Um, we're I'll go over to Eric for this one. And this is, I think this is for me, this is where if Connor Bedard is going to be a point per game player, this is what, where and why it'll happen. I'm going to give you an over under here, Eric, 22% for the Chicago Blackhawks power play to give you some context. Last year, they were 28th at 16.38% a 22% ranking would have been 13th in the NHL last season. Do you think the Hawks uh, get up that high? No, I, I could not tell you the last time I had any type of confidence in a power play (laughs) that the the Chicago Blackhawks ran. Um, And I think, you know, he'll be great on the power play once they kind of figure it out and figure out who else is going to play with him and how to utilize him. But I don't think that they're going to, there, uh, every other team is going to scheme to try to stop him from shooting, and that'll open up some stuff. And kind of like we saw yesterday with you know the cross ice to Hall, who dumped it into Perry, and then Perry made the move and scored. They'll they'll get a little bit of stuff like that, but I, I don't think they hit twenty two percent. So I'm going to go under. Mill, I'll go over to you next. What do you think? I, I can't fathom them hitting twenty two percent either. I mean, I think that they can improve the power play. You know from last year, but that's a very, it is in the grand scheme of this, like, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot of uh, improvement, but that, you know, 6% or five point, whatever is a giant jump. I should, I should have went down to 21% and, and set the bar there. Although I think you, both of you would still probably wobble under it. 21% would have been 18th in the league last year. So still, I, I, I also don't know if their the coaches. Good. I'm sorry. I also don't know that their coaching is is looking for that right away. Okay, uh, Betsy, what about you? Oh, definitely under. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like I don't. I'm trying to think. Like even when like Kane could rack up a bunch of points on the power play, even when it was pretty terrible. Um, 
So I think like Connor Bedard will probably get a, a bunch of points. Um, he had um, Kane had like 30 points on the power play. One of the years they were in the bottom 10 um, recently ish. I want to say uh, so. Yeah, I think I think Connor Bedard and maybe Reichel and a couple of others could get some decent chunk of points. But overall, the power. What, what did they go one and like 12 so far in the preseason? It hasn't um, been great. No, it's been and it hasn't looked great. It's looked as bad as usual. Um, so, yeah, under. Well, my because my I, I feel like I'm maybe not all the way up to 22 percent, but I feel like the power play is going to be better this year. Because I think having Corey Perry in front of the net, being willing to get his ass kicked for the sake of a power play, uh, power play success, I think that is an element the Hawks have not had. And he's good at it. And I don't think the Hawks have had that like since like Andrew Shaw left. Um, so I I feel like that adding Connor Bedard, and then I think if uh, either I think that will make Seth Jones better at the point. If you can find one or two other guys, like I don't know, Reichel has a good run on the power play, like. I don't think the power play is going to be good. I don't think – I feel like it should be less of a disaster this season because I think there's enough talent there. And and because of the specific roles that they occupy, like Corey Perry had 25 points last season in Tampa. 12 of them were on the power play. So he can still do something on the power play. So I think it's more – and, and Bedard, I'm, I'm sure, will figure it out, how to be a good power play player. So I, I think I'm a little bit more – bullish on the power play than everybody else here it would seem i will settle for if they can get zone entries without doing a fucking <laughs> drop back oh, oh that's I already back that, they've been they've yeah. been dropping it all over the blue line uh, i know they're um, they're tossing it halfway down the ice back to bedard to let him uh, figure uh, out Eric, how to get into the zone you could have stopped with i'll i'll be happy if they have zone entries <laughs> that's that's true half the time it's just like nope I, they should be a lot better than last year, though. I mean, yeah, I can, see them, I can see them jumping two or three percentage points, if not four, get up near like 20. 22 is, is kind of like that's ridiculous. That's a silly thing. Oh, that's oh, the type of power oh, play sorry, that sorry but you didn't make silly statements. Really silly, silly. <laughs> okay. All right. I got, I got, I got two, I got two out over my skis on that one. We'll, we'll dial it back. Um, can I just say, if that did happen, then Betsy will have to be in the comments explaining to everybody that they're not good. The power yeah. plays, yeah, just we, an anomaly. We we need to ha- we need to have this <laughs> video. We need to have this season bookmarked or this conversation bookmarked because I specifically I, I hope the Hawks start on a power play heater. Just go like forty percent for the first. Oh, well, that would be it'd be awesome. It's kind of like what Mill said. Mill said before. It's like. We're all selling the under, but we'll be happy either way because you'll have made money or your team will be good on a specific play part of the game. I don't think they'll be good in general, but like maybe <laughs> one area. All right, Mill, let's have a fun one here. Who's what's the higher number? Corey Perry penalty minutes or Connor Bedard points? What do you got? Connor Bedard points. Perry's too old and lazy to try to take penalties, I think. He had ninety five last season in Tampa, so Yeah, yeah, but Tampa was playing for something. Like okay. if they're gonna be bad, I mean, I'll see him taking the occasional stupid fight because they're getting their ass kicked and he wants to, you know, quote unquote supply some energy. Or or he wants to get to the shower while the water's still hot. That too. But I don't know that he plays a lot of games either. Like what if he only plays fifty or sixty? 
Yeah, you I know, mean, he's getting up there in age. He did. He did play eighty. He's played eighty-one and eighty-two in the last two seasons. Each, he actually so. might not be that old. I just think he came into the league about twenty years ago. No, well, he did. He came into the league very young, but he is he's 30, thirty-eight. He's, yeah. He'll be thirty-nine in May. Next yeah, I mean, then that's up there. I, I mean, for hockey, for hockey I guess he has a lot of miles on him is kind of what I'm thinking, though, because yeah. those Ducks teams used to make some some playoff runs, uh, a lot of seven game series. And then, you know, Tampa and Montreal, even though the, those were I mean, those were both finals appearances that he lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, was maybe, he on the Dallas team, too? No. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Did maybe. he lose in the final three years in a row? He did yeah. three years in a row. <laughs> Holy fuck. It was beautiful. I just forgot about that until now because he's so like. Oh, Betsy. So he's mean. just one of those players that after the Hawks stopped being good and stopped playing the Ducks in the playoffs or whatever, you kind of just like, yeah, he's on this team, but I don't care. You know, he's one of those like, ah. but Dave, like, you're right. He did have a lot of penalty minutes last year. Could happen. The like the I think the animosity just kind of like like it peaked with that that series he was so dis- easy to dislike like he did but he, he like it wasn't involved with the Hawks as much so I feel like it wasn't a you kind of and but he's already getting standing ovations in the preseason so I'm sure he'll be a cult hero by Christmas so whatever not for me <laughs> I'm gonna be like the <laughs> last <laughs> holdout <laughs> yeah yes yes I think you are Betsy because the first preseason game I think it was the first preseason game at the United Center he got a pretty big ovation from the crowd me, me and me and Didi on the in the comments it'll be me and Devil Dog there you go <laughs> I, I mean I I'm not a much of a fan either but I just feel like he's holding somebody's roster spot warm for the future sure I I don't I think I wrote the article about how I think he'll be useful I also was like I'll gag every time I use that phrase in you know in conjunction with that <laughs> and i did this last time i was like uh i feel kind of gross saying this but he had a good game you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but again like is he gonna get well this is another thing are the hawks gonna trade a bunch of guys at the deadline again i yes. assume so yeah yeah so like him and Paul, like some of these guys could just be doing the domi tour here yeah absolutely absolutely so, I, I, and, and i and it makes sense with that GM. Uh, who has like, I don't even know if who has what Taylor Hall has a no movement clause. Right. I don't think so. I don't think he would have approved the trade. He oh, he is. He is. He, a, had a choice. he had it. He had one. And now he has a, it went down to a NTC. Yeah. Um, he probably gets to pick 10 or whatever the number is, but I just mean like, if one of those teams is a playoff team and the Hawks are at the point in the year where they're completely just, you know, struggling to to get to 500, he's probably going to want to dip unless he's in love with Connor Bedard and playing Taylor, on the line. Taylor Hall is a 10-team no-trade list for this season and the next. There yeah, it is, 10. Okay, okay yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, neither Felina or Perry have one, which is interesting, but they're also both making four, $4 million, Yeah. Which- yeah, retain that. But no the problem. Hawks can retain, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they only no. retain a certain number, and they and they're, they're and already like, retaining one, so they have two more yeah. spots. They could retain on both of them, but then on nobody else. Yeah. And will is anybody they, else making more than that? That would you want to <laughs> trade? I don't know, like Murphy, Athanasiu. Yeah, Murphy. No, I think Athanasiu. They just gave him a two-year deal if they turn around and trade him a couple months into it. I think that's bad form. Yeah, but. 
Um, yeah, I mean, outside of, I don't think anybody's taken Seth Jones or anything too nuts. So it's probably Murphy would be the only one, maybe Morazic yeah. if somebody I got to say desperate. This, though, if Murphy plays like he's been in a previous regular season, I don't think anybody's going to want to trade for him. <laughs> True. I hate to say that. I like Connor Murphy, but it was, it was a rough going. Yeah. So well, let's- this is the same league where somebody gave up a first round pick for Ben Sherratt. So there you go. N- never say never. Uh, you're totally right about that. I just don't want to <laughs> test our luck. So let's, I'm going to jump this down to, to what has been the de facto second line in the preseason. It seems like it's going to be the second line to start the season. Who's going to have, and I think we're up uh, back to Betsy, right? Yeah. Okay. So who's going to have the most points? Kurashev, Reichel, or Athanasiu? Reichel. Why, why Reichel? So I want them to. <laughs> I mean, that is absolutely the correct answer. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I genuinely want, I think he's the most talented of the three. Um, I don't, I don't think Kershev, like I, we all, we all like Kershev, but I don't know if this is necessarily. Noted either. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I hope let's hope. I want I want it to be Reichel, so I'm going to put that down as a hopeful answer. Reichel's my boy. Eric, what about you? Uh, I think I'm going to go Athens to see you, and I think that's just because he'll kind of get a little bit more opportunity, and for whatever reason, I have a feeling he'll get some overtime stuff with Bedard um, a little bit more, and you know they connected. For that St. Louis game, they got the game winner off of that. So I think he'll get some looks, he'll get some length there. And that might that might be enough to get the difference. And I think Reichel, too, it's going to take him a while to figure out center. And then I'll kind of hold him back a little bit more. Um, so that's that's probably the margin right there. That's the difference to me between those two. Well, then, Mill, I guess it's up to you. I kind of like Reichel if he, if he can play the center role because I think he is – a nice like vision passing, like he'll be able to find guys when, where they can score as long as they can bury it. He can score himself. I like the duality of him picking up assists and goals to make that point total. Yeah. See, I, I had this question in my head, but I, I couldn't come up with an answer because I feel like the, the veteran experience for Athens to see you gives him a head up on the other two and that he's had, 40 and I think a 50 point season in his career at some point. So, and I feel like he's going to get a lot of top six play this season. So he's going to put up points. Um, but I, I think I'm going to settle on Reichel cause I think there's going to be a hard charge down the stretch for him. And I think that's going to be, I think that's, I, I think Reichel's going to get him at the end. I think it might be similar to what you, uh, some, one of you said about Bedard and that it might take him a while initially to figure things out at the NHL level. But once he does, he's going to start catching up point-wise. Like, Reichel won't get as many as Bedard, but the principle of better in the second half of the season than in the first half applies here. I think, too, just for the Hawks' sake, if he's going to become, like, a true guy for them, he has to start taking that jump this year. I I would agree completely. So, tough thought about forwards. want to get down to – don't want to ignore all the defensemen. And – I think what I want to go to here is ice time figures. And I think we, I think we're all can safely assume Seth Jones is going to be number one on the team in ice time this season. So I think we're back to Eric. Now who's going to be number two. Uh, To rub it in my face. Wyatt Kaiser. (laughs) 
I thought you were going to say Nikita Zaitsev just to be funny. No, God, no. <laughs> that, that's, I think we'll all start drinking heavily if it's Nikita Zaitsev while we're talking. Um, or, or, or we'll start do working on our draft boards in, uh, in December. Absolutely. No, I, I think I, I'm getting the feeling Korshinski is going back to the W. It, just everything everyone's saying, that that's what it seems like. He's going to get some games and he's going to go back. So I think Kaiser will probably end up on the second power play. And he's going to play a lot. He's going to play with Jones a lot. And Richardson loves him. Everybody loves him. So far, he looks really good. So I don't see why uh, you wouldn't give him every opportunity and just kind of let him play as much as he can. So I feel like it's going to end up being Kaiser. Mill, who's your number two Blackhawks ice time defenseman uh, at the end of the season? This may not be the real most realistic pick, but just to like rub it in my face, it's probably going to be Jared Tenorti on any given night that I have to write about them. <laughs> like 25 minutes, you know, just I'm going to be fucking screaming at the TV, drinking heavily while making my draft board. The whole nine. <laughs> well, uh, thoughts and prayers to your liver. It thanks you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Betsy, what about you? I go back and forth between Kaiser and Vlasic. Um, I mean, Richardson has raved about Kaiser. Like, I don't know if he's as talked as positively about a prospect other than Connor Bedard. And of course, everybody's talking about Connor Bedard, but like, then he has Kaiser. It's interesting. And because I've always been a Kaiser fan, and, um, but I also always was like, I'm probably a little biased because I watch more. Uh, college games than anything else but Vlasic also will be interesting because he actually played more minutes of all of the kids last year uh, about a minute more than Kaiser did uh, and he played a lot with Seth Jones and in the most recent game Vlasic was with Seth Jones uh, and he played really well there um, so it'll be interesting to see those kids battle it out. The, the total time is, is also going to be something to watch because Seth Jones played like over 24 minutes a night last year. And the next highest was Jack Johnson with under 20. Is that 1950? Yeah. And then it was Vlasic. Yep. So, I mean, obviously he only played in six games, so that skews his minutes, but that's not, that's an interesting thing to note. So, um, I hope it's a kid. I want it to be one of them. I don't think it should be Connor Murphy, for example. Um, not just because I don't think he, unless he's, he has reversed course in his downwards spiral from last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then, yeah, I think it should be one of them. I'm going to say final answer, Vlasic. Yeah, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with Mill and Eric. Just reading, uh, just seeing what everyone is saying about Wyatt Kaiser and and the fact that he is a little bit farther along. Well, I guess more than Korchinski, like he he's actually he's kind of behind Vlasic, and well, he's roughly the same age as Phillips. But it just seems like Kaiser is more of a um, I don't want to say finished product, but maybe closer to a finished product because of how much ice time he got in college. Yeah, he baked more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he spent some more time uh, getting cooked up. So uh, yeah, I it's it really seems like White Kaiser is going to be one of the more uh, the probably the most interesting player to watch on the blue line. I still I I don't know if I can share the I, I the um, 
Eric, your thing that you're feeling that Korchinski staying are going to go back to the WHL. I don't know if I share that feeling. Uh, I, it's more mostly off a gut feeling. I, I don't do you, do you, was there something that somebody said or something you read that led you to believe that? It, it's normally for stuff like that. I just feel like when you're seeing every beat guy all kind of say the same thing. And I think it's Lazarus has said it multiple times that Davidson said, like, even if he goes over the nine and we burn the year, we still might send him back. Um, so, and Davidson was actually on in between periods last night and they were kind of talking to him about that. And he was, you know, very evasive and didn't say anything distinctly. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, Korchinski's play is going to do it more than anything. That's what's going to determine it. But just the way that they're kind of backpedaling a little bit makes me feel like, and it's nothing but my own intuitions. There's nothing that I've seen where it's like, you know, oh, absolutely, this is going to happen. That's just what it feels like to me. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that the Blackhawks have made that decision yet. I feel like they are waiting to see how the first nine games go. But I guess we'll find out as a season. Which is good. They should. Yeah. That's yeah. that's absolutely what they should do. So yeah. that's that's great if that's the case. It's gonna be interesting to see like like the the down like the third pairing, what happens with like the the Vlasics and Phillips of the world, because that that if Korchinski stays up, like that 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 gets pretty crowded pretty quickly. Well, yeah, especially if they keep Zaitsev and you know, mm. Well, that's, that's Zaitsev, that was my thought. If someone might get someone's uh, contract might get launched somehow, bought out. Well, and he, can he, he? They can send him to Rockford. He just has to go through waivers, right? Nobody's claiming him. I would assume not, unless somebody need like the Hawks got Jared Sonority last year as a waiver claim, and that was I think don't think people were expecting that, but the Hawks needed a veteran body, and that's what he provided. So maybe there's a team out there that needs a Nikita Zaitsev shaped veteran body. I think they'd be more likely to send Phillips down. Um, yeah. It's not that Phillips, Phillips is a little bit, uh, he's got like maybe more raw potential than Vlasic does. He's more athletic, for example, and he's a better skater. Vlasic is more educated in the game. Like he's, he's developmentally further along. Um and Kaiser is the most well-rounded. So if I had to choose of the three, I would go Kaiser Vlasic to start and then rotate them out um, into Rockford if you need to, uh, if they start to struggle or something like that. Though, again, the whole up-down thing didn't help some kids last year. So they've got to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. So... Well, sticking with the blue line, like, I, who, am I up to? I'm on Mill now, right? Mill, your turn. Yes, sir. So we're gonna we're gonna stick with the veteran blue liners. We're gonna leave Seth Jones out of this. We're gonna go focus on the rest of them. We're gonna assume that there's a a an accurate wins above replacement statistic in hockey that basically measures how much a respective player contributes to a win over the course of a season. If that stat were to exist at the end of the season. Which veteran defenseman is going to have the highest among Tenorti, Murphy, and Zaitsev? Um, oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to say Connor Murphy, but I feel like even if he doesn't play well, he's more fundamentally sound than the other two. That's why. Like, 
if he plays well, it's a pretty obvious choice. Yeah, right. But but the other two seem to end up on the wrong thing of uh, the wrong side of plays more often because they're like out of position. Whereas like I feel like Connor Murphy just gets burned like one v one more often. Okay. That and, and that's and, just a guess. Yeah, well, most of these are guesses, Mill. <laughs> I, I, most, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing as I come up with them. So in my no, head, but so. I mean, like, because it's like a, you know, there's not really a way to quantify that stat off the, t- you know. Yeah, it's, it's, um, that's the like, I, I know there are models and such out there, and how much, how <clears throat> accurate they are or how reliable they are, I think, still up in the air. Some people get there, it's, and you can get really bogged down in the numbers. Sometimes it's just like. When this guy's on the ice, bad things seem to happen. And they, you can usually quantify that by some manner, and um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, they stink. <laughs> Betsy, what about you? Um, well, I'll point out that I think Tenorti of the three won that uh, prize or whatever you want to say. He was the best in terms of, like, war and gar and everything last year um, because he didn't always face the toughest competition. Like there's some context missing from that stat as it is. So Connor Murphy got like destroyed in it last year, like terribly. So Um, it was actually kind of depressing. Uh, So I probably, whoever's going to play in the bottom pair with the kid, you know, like there's going to be one, one of those veterans that doesn't get, as high, like they're, they're just going to get softer minutes. And I, I'll go with Tenorti again. Cause he fluffed it out last year. This kind of reminds me of the last Duncan Keith season in Chicago where they were still trying to use him as their number one defenseman. And he really wasn't that anymore. So he was just getting roasted by the top players in the NHL. And it seemed like the view from everywhere outside of Chicago was, Hey, Duncan Keith's really bad now. And it was more of, hey, they still think Duncan Keith's 30 or 28 years old and he's not. And they're still trying and they're throwing him into terrible situations. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The utilization is a big thing. And I think that's part of what's hurt Murphy so bad, um, you know, in the, the last couple of years. And I, I agree with Betsy. I think it'll be Tenorti, but just for sheer lack of minutes, he'll, he'll play less. So he won't be exposed as much. Um and I don't want to keep dumping on Zaitsev, man, but like there was, there was a thing today and it was, he hired some like sports medicine specialist. He had, he he's had a, like, he had a, a spe- like a trainer in Florida. I think this was another, uh, I think Ben Pope wrote about that. Yeah. But it, he basically went down like, yeah, you know, I'm just not, it's my body's not responding the way that it used to. Like something's got to be going on. And the guy was like, no, everything, everything's, Everything's good. You're just bad now. Um, which <laughs> my answer me... on Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, I mean, you know, I, I don't think Zaitsev will be around all that much and will play all that much. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say Tenorti. I'll agree with Betsy. It would be funny. Like, if this podcast will be live before we know the opening day roster. It'd be funny if they make some sort of move right before right before it starts to, like, buy him out or trade him or whatever. And then... We've, uh, we've we've talked about it more than he's going to be on the seat on the team this entire season. So it's just yeah, the fact that they haven't 
it just seems kind of strange and it makes me think that they're going to roll with him at least for some portion of the season because otherwise, you know, they, they had a window to buy him out earlier this summer, but they chose not to do that. Yeah. I, I feel like uh, uh, our GM here wants to get whatever he can for anybody. And as soon as he sees that he can't get anything for Zaitsev, it's going to be a quote unquote conditioning assignment <laughs> a la Dave Boland in Florida. It'll be a conditioning assignment in uh a remote part of Russia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're gonna send exactly. him, they're gonna send him to the KHL to skate with Mitchkov. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna send him straight to O'Hare Airport. <laughs> All right. So uh we're back to Eric now, I think. Betsy. Betsy. I see I, I should have I, I should have like had a some sort of board where I could keep track of all this. I don't I was thinking all day of trying to come up with a good way to talk about the goalies. And, and using the same prompt idea, and I, I just couldn't think of one. So, like, I, I don't really know what there is to say about the goalies. Like, Peter Morazic is here for one more season. He has a contract uh, through the end of this upcoming season, and it seems like then he leaves, and ideally Soderblom takes over next season because Soderblom plays so well this year that he – earns a starting role. Like that's it, right? Like, is there anything else to say about the goalie situation? No, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hope. There you go. Exactly. We don't all know my, if it will happen, but that is the hope. All my answers are hope based at this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Eric, did you have anything else to add about the goalie thing? Cause I, I got, I got like, uh, like I just said, I got nothing. No, I mean, and there's really no intrigue like whatsoever outside of just how well Soderblom plays and like kind of when they give him the crease and let him like get a big string of starts in a row to see if he can kind of run with it, which yeah. I mean, developmentally, I guess if they come out and they're pretty bad, then maybe that doesn't happen till later on this season, you know, because they they mess with that dude's confidence big time last year, um, not necessarily by choice. But so I'd like to think that, you know, they're a little bit more careful with him and, and how they're going to weaponize him, how they're going to use him this season. And they won't just toss him out there, you know, if they're getting their asses whooped every single night. But I mean, that's kind of it. Maybe they move on from Morazic if, you know, he has a halfway decent year and it looks like somebody needs, you know, a veteran goaltender for the playoffs or whatever at some point. And then you probably see Camesso or, you know, maybe more Stauber uh, a little bit toward the end of the year. But that, that's probably a, a pretty significant long shot anyways. So most likely it's the two of them for the majority of the year. Yeah, I think what you said there, the, the two things you said there are probably the more intriguing parts is, A, is that if Morazic played well enough to get flipped at the deadline for picks and no prospects, that seems like the best case scenario for him this season. Um, and, and he had... He did have a very good season or two earlier in his career. He's had some injuries. So like it feels like there's a there's at least like one decent season left within him. And maybe he pulls it out this year. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Um, but the other thing I'm interested in is if something happens with Mrazek, either he gets traded or gets hurt or whatever. The goalie that they call up, because like you mentioned, Drew Camesso. I don't know if they would like. He might get a an NHL game this year just to give him, you know, give him the spotlight. But I also feel like he is going to be in Rockford for at least this season and the next. And just they're going to give him the number one spot and just let him play in the AHL, 
let him adapt to that level for two or three seasons and just leave him there. Don't bring him up and send him back. Just leave him there. Let him play. Let him get his feet wet at the professional level and bring up Jackson Stauber instead or some other veteran, some other goalie who might be in the system somewhere. Well, that's probably why they kept Wells around too. Yeah. Just to have another guy as a buffer that if you need them, they can be able to do it. And yeah, Comesso's had kind of a couple weird, like stunted development years. So I, I think that that'd be ideal is just to put him down there and be like, you're going to start 55 to 60 games for Rockford this year. Like just prepare yourself. Like you're the number one goalie and go out and, you know, do your best and win a bunch of games. Yeah. Get your uh, beef frequent uh, rewards buyer card or whatever the hell it is. I think we took most of the thoughts, Mill, about goalies, but did you have anything else? Yeah, hopefully nobody gets hurt. There we go. Okay, Knock okay on but Razik is there. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's like a damaged groin all the time. So. I said what I said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Um so the other the the other group that I like it's it's le- they're less intriguing, like I feel like for the last two or three seasons. Whenever we talked about the Blackhawks bottom six, it's like they have a third line and a fourth line here, but it is like 15 guys who all belong on the fourth line filling in these spots. It seems like it's mildly better now. I feel like they have, and it's mainly the veteran guys that they have who are more of the third line variety. So I'm I'm just going to, the idea here, I'm going to give you three or four names and I want you to pick out of this group who's going to play the most in Chicago this season. So uh, we're going to leave Colin Blackwell off because he's injured and, and it seems seems like he's going to have uh, – it, it's going to be a, a while before he gets back to the NHL level. So I got I got three names for you. Well, yeah, let, let's just go with two. Or Yeah, no, wait. I got it back up to three. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, programming on the fly, folks. Uh, don't worry. We'll fix this in post. Uh, Eric, you're up, I believe. So Okay. Kenzie Antwistle, Boris Kachuk, Reese Johnson, who plays the most NHL games this season? Oh, man. Um, does it matter? Um, <laughs> I They're all kind of a variation of the same guy to an extent, and I don't mean to be dismissive of them and their hockey playing ability. Um, it's it's hard. You can tell that they like Johnson a lot. They like him in the room. Like He seems like a guy that everybody roots for. The, the nice guy is was Betsy's term, I believe. Um, you know, I think Entwistle has a little bit more to him. And he's he's had a couple goals in the preseason. He's had a couple opportunities. I'm just struggling to find room for any of them, you know, outside of any injuries. So I think I'll go, I'm going to go Entwistle. Um, I just feel like he probably has a little bit higher of a ceiling than anyone and he can kind of, he can center, he can play wing. He can do a little bit more. He's a little bit more um, of a, a, you know, a a tool to be utilized, I guess. Mill, what about you? I'll say end whistle. um, But it's, it's funny that Eric called him a tool and we say Reese Johnson is such a nice guy. Uh, and whistle must not be very nice. Um, I believe the the consensus among the media folk is that he is one of the best quotes on the team. So I guess that would make him a nice guy too. Is he as nice as Reese, though? Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll work on that. We'll we'll talk why to are, some people. Why are the best quotes often the worst players? 
Because the guys that can play don't care about talking to the media. Yeah. Or they've, they've been conditioned to be hockey robots. Yeah, or they've done it a billion times, right? Mm-hmm. That makes I sense. mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but I just mean that probably starts in high school. Like, Dave, Dave can probably understand what I'm saying. Like, a lot of times if you talk to the same guy every week, they're going to give you similar stuff unless something extraordinary happens. Whereas if you get somebody who doesn't get a lot of media action, it's they probably have had a lot more time to think about saying something. <laughs> yeah, they have, they have a lot more time to prepare their uh, prepare their routine for the for the show. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just rolling with that whistle just because I think he's probably most useful in different phases of the game. Yeah, I think I, I think I'd lean that way too because I feel like uh, Entwistle gets a little bit of PK time, and I think that might set him apart from the others. What about you, Betsy? Well, technically, um, their games played last year was really close, but Kachuk actually had a better. He had more points. So if we're talking about like which of them might be more offensive, uh, Kachuk actually has more offensive results in his like short career than Entwistle does. Um, and Kachuk also did play on the penalty kill, I want to say. Is that, um, am I lying? I- I'm going to effort that as you continue talking. I know. I was, I think, uh, uh, so Reese Johnson played more than the other ones, right? No, Kachuk, Kachuk. Kachuk played. So it was Reese, then Kachuk, then Entwistle. Entwistle only played eight seconds on the penalty kill last year. Did he, I could have sworn he played more than that, so completely forget what I said. Um, we'll, we'll fix that in post, too. He played, <laughs> this is he played a minute and 24 seconds on the power play, which... Okay, that happened. I don't. Last year, it's like a complete black hole in my head now. It's like a void. Nobody remembers it. It existed, but who can prove it? Um, <laughs> it's like anything pre-COVID. It didn't happen. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm with Eric though. I don't know how much any of them will play. Like, are they any of them really that needed? <laughs> um, I don't know. And then. Uh, Kachuk has the Hockey Canada stuff hanging over him. Yeah, and and it seems like there's no. Uh, I think Pierre LeBrun had a tweet earlier, uh, earlier this week that said nothing imminent, so they're still just waiting. But yeah, like to to your point though, Betsy, like if if your top line, like if you're roughly speaking, uh, from what we've seen so far through camp, like your top lines, Bedard, Hall, and let's say Tyler Johnson. Your second line is Athanasiu, Kurashev, and Reichel. Your third line is, uh, I believe it's Ben Dickinson with Felino and Perry. And then like, so, and then you also have Cole Gutman in there somewhere. You have Taylor Radish in there somewhere. You have Ryan Donato in there somewhere. And all of those guys would seem to be higher on the four depth chart than Entwistle or Boris Kachuk or Reese Johnson. And like, I think one of you said, like, if somebody gets hurt, these guys are going to get called up. But initially like these guys played so much hockey on this team the last few seasons, it's felt like, and now they're, they're, there's not a spot for them, which I think tells you about the quality of the team for the last few seasons that in one offseason, like guys that were playing decent amounts of hockey are now might be destined for Rockford. Yeah, it's time to get serious. They got, <laughs> they got time to they get got, to the playoffs. Let's well, go. No, I mean, they're, they're building now. It's not yeah. maintaining or nosediving down. It's, you know, the arrow's going up. Did you guys see there was 
it was somewhere Sportsnet that they they tweeted this thing. It was like, are they chanting "We want the cup"? In oh Chicago? yes, yes. And it was very clearly Detroit sucks. They don't yeah. really even sound the same, but you know. It was the most ridiculous. Just you mentioning We Want the Cup a second ago reminded me of that. I was like, oh, my God, can you not hear? Well, I think that was the joke that Vosters made on the broadcast. Vosters needs to not make jokes because they're not good. <laughs> no. They, no, <laughs> they, they have they, no good delivery. They said, like, I think they said the broadcast, I think one of them said, I think it was Vosters with Kaylee Chelios. I think Vosters initially said, is that a We Want the Cup chant? And then it was like, oh, no, it's not that. And then I think I think Kaylee Jail's like, oh, I know what that is, because she probably heard it while watching her dad play for the why other team. You, why would you even think that that's a we want the cup chant? Like, just, no, he knew he knew that it was not. That was the joke. It's just a bad. Oh, joke. I didn't know that it was a joke. OK, I that's I what I'm saying. He has no delivery. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention as closely in that part of the broadcast because it was at the end of the game. It's either he has terrible delivery or he he needs to get hearing aids. I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, it's the delivery. Yeah, it's the delivery. Okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He can be a good guy too. <laughs> he might be a nice guy too. Okay, yeah. um, he is a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Yeah, I don't know. I have never met him. He's Harris suspect. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking. You're talking about Dawson's Creek off the air. There you go. Yeah, There's yeah. a through line to the hair straight straight through there for you. So, so do we need Betsy's hair rankings of the team? Is that a, is that how we're gonna? Pick we can we can do that this year if we want to. Yeah. Okay. We're on our own. I'm just, we're I'm just saying. You want me to? Sh- There's this one picture of him where his hair looks like a helmet, but like a weirdly misshapen one, and I'm like, why is it like that? Um. So anyway, we're. I'm gonna stop. That's mean. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm, I'm. Yeah. I'm not gonna participate in any of these conversations as the fo- follically challenged person that I am. So. Uh, I'll, he's I'll not let, my he's not my favorite guy in the booth. Let's just I, I just didn't okay. Well, probably well, I'm taking it out on his hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, uh, speaking of players with hair, I I I was trying desperately trying to get a segue out of that and it didn't work. Um, so there's there's two players left that I feel like we have not talked about, and I think they are two of the more interesting players. Um, beyond the, you know, the, the headline attractions of like Bedard, Reichel, Kaiser and all that, because they're both like roughly mid 20s. And so they've they've been they haven't necessarily been around for a while, but they're like they're at, on that cusp of either like they probably need to show something pretty soon or they may not be around for much longer. And those two players are Cole Gutman and Taylor Radish. And so I think the question, and I think I'm back to Mill now, and this is perfect because that'll be the end of the uh, end of the rotation. I think the question with these two is, they're both restricted free agents at the end of the season. So, who, how many? I, I'll go over under 1.5 Mill. How many between those two guys? Over under 1.5 is back with the team next season. Um. I don't like this under over. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, it's a, what's it, 2.5 or 1.5? It's 1.5 out of two players. So basically, do you think they're both back or just one's back? Okay, that's what you're asking me. I, You know what? I'm going to say under. I think that they're going to have a lot of overhaul next season, and I'm just kind of trying to preface it based on like past teams, which 
obviously it's not a one for one example, but if you think about the overturn between like Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh eight, Oh nine, it feels like if you weren't really significant and they felt like you can really upgrade you in that time, then they were going to do that. Now this is a different regime, but it feels more so that they want to do that kind of thing. That's just kind of my two cents. No, I think that's, I think those are all fair points. Uh, Betsy, what about you? I didn't actually hear the question. <laughs> Between I was distracted by pictures. Go ahead. Are you are you are you are you judging more people's haircuts? No, I was trying to find the picture that I was thinking of when I picture Vosters in my brain. <laughs> oh, that's mean. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I Cole, to- so it's Cole Gutman and Taylor Radish. Uh, how many of them will be back next season? Over under one point five. Uh, Gutman will be back. I don't think Radish will. Yeah. Because I I think that's where I'm going to ask Eric uh, first, and then I think we'll talk about this a little bit more. So Eric, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I'm taking the under two. I feel like with the free agent class that's going to be available next summer, with some of the other guys that they might have being ready, and for some reason to me, Radis just feels like he got 20 last year. He could be a guy that they trade um, to a contending team that has like use for that type of middle six, uh, you know, playoff bolstering roster type of thing. So I feel like he could get moved if he has a a pretty decent year, but that's Gutman could hang around and be a useful third or fourth line center. But Radish kind of feels a little bit more dispensable for whatever reason. So yeah, I'll agree with everyone and go under. Yeah. Cause I, I think I said, I feel like we had the exact conversation at some point late last season where Taylor Radish was at or near his 20 goal total for the season. And I was trying to remember any of the goals that he had scored. And I could not that like, he, he, like he has a decent season, like 37 points is not awful by any means, but it just felt like there was, I, I can't think of any big like Taylor Radish moments like could about their players or or just instances where you're like, all right, I, I think this guy might have something. I feel like Cole Gutman in his incredibly small sample size last season had a lot more standout moments than Taylor Radish had in a in playing pretty much the entire season. Like Cole Gutman played 14 games and made a pretty good impact and Taylor Radish played 78. And I feel like I can't tell you anything he did during them. So, uh. Maybe he changes that this season because uh, he is um, that was his first full NHL season. So at least there's like, you know, there there's reason to argue that he could have room to improve still. But he probably needs to do it real soon here. I also feel like it's telling that he didn't he hasn't gotten a look with Hall and Bedard. Like uh-huh. if they uh-huh. if they thought he had more to give. Or that I feel like, why wouldn't you put him up there? And maybe they will at some point. Um, But that I kind of thought that he just kind of de facto ended up on whatever the third or fourth, however you want to designate those lines was kind of like, okay, that, that made me feel like they were kind of, you know, making a little bit of a statement about where they see him in the future. Yeah. It's like, you can, uh, I, I think anytime, line combinations come out in the preseason. Everyone tries, you can conclusions can be drawn by who gets paired with who. And that kind of gives you an idea of long-term standing within the organization for those players. So yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a good point. Bessie, did you have anything else to add on those two players? 
No, I, I'm excited to see Gutman. Um, I really enjoyed watching him in Rockford. Um, and like you said, he made a positive impression up here. Uh, I, I'm a little wary about where they have him. I don't think that that's necessary, unless they make that fourth line, the energy line, um, where they get a lot of offensive zone and they're just out there to like go wee a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know if it's this, this, the way they transition for this uh, year is both good because it got, they got enough vets that aren't too, like they're not quite the level of a previous vet, so they're not going to take away from the kids. But it also the only two kids that are actually in the top six are Bedard and Reichel. So it's like they're only really propping those ones up. So it, it yeah, we'll see. I mean, Kurashev, if he plays with Reichel, will be in the top. But it's hard. I know he's he's twenty three, so he's a kid, but he's been around for fucking that long. <laughs> yeah, I know. It feels like it. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I think there's, there's so much, um, so I think this is kind of where I will end this discussion. We'll go back to the top and go Betsy, Eric and mill, uh, in that order. But I I think just the general idea, I I think this entire season has a, I I almost say too wide of a range of points where the Hawks could end up. Cause I don't think they're not going to be good unless something insane happens. I, I mean, they're not even going to be league average just because there's um, th- there's a lot of youngsters on this team. But I also think because of all the youngsters on this team, like there is, I don't know. And, I, and again, I think this is something I'm mildly more bullish on than maybe anybody else here. I'm not going to tell you the Hawks are going to make the playoffs. I'm not even going to – I don't even think they're going to be like contending to it, contending for it in like April what I, the way I would preface this statement is if you get like three or four guys that are unexpectedly good, that really pop off. Like if say like Kaiser, Reichel and Kurashev all pop off this season, I feel like you could have a team that maybe like in February, January or February goes on a bit of a heater, flirts with a wild card spot for a while and then flames out at the end. I think that's probably your, your ultimate ceiling for this team. Um, and I think the floor is uh, the highest draft lottery odds for Macker Celebrini next year. Um, so, Betsy, I would, with that thought in mind, I guess I would ask what, what your thoughts are in terms of floor and ceiling for this team. It's probably about the same, uh, but but the main reason that they'd flirt with the playoffs is that the Central is supposed to be pretty I, That's Thank you for saying that because that's another big point is the Central Division kind of sucks this year. Yeah, it's really it's the Avalanche and then the Stars are this the decent-ish teams. The Wild could be decent, but they also could suck. It doesn't I feel like they could go back and forth. <laughs> That's the Minnesota Wild's entire existence. And they I will mean, end up and they will somehow end up right in the middle of it like they always do. Yeah, but like the Jets, the Preds, the Blues, and the Coyotes are all not good teams either, you know, this year. Some one of them is going to perform, one or two of them are going to perform better. And this could be the Blackhawks too, just because of how mediocre to bad this division is. Um so I could see that. I I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year. So I don't think they're gonna be in the bottom like three again, but I wouldn't I wouldn't count out like fifth from the bottom. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, bottom five to ten um, wouldn't surprise me at all, especially if 
Mirazik like is Mirazik and then um Soderbloom has like an like a good but not great rookie season like yeah that would be my I guess all right Eric where are you at I yeah I think that their top five bottom top five pick like in the in the running for that um I think Arizona is going to be kind of surprisingly good in the central this year it could be an interesting team um but no, I mean, it's, it's hard because there's so many kind of, you know, X factors at play. They should definitely be a lot more enjoyable to watch. They should be a lot more competitive. Um, you know, Richardson, that, that was kind of the mantra was Richardson squeezed every drop of compete out of, you know, that garbage team last year that he could maybe even overperformed a little bit. So it'll be interesting now that we get to kind of see him like utilize matchups and strategy and stuff a little bit more than we got to see him do last year. But I still just think that there's too many question marks and, and too many holes. So yeah, I, I don't think that they ever are even close to 500 or, you know, sniffing wild card or playoffs or anything like that. To me, they feel like they're a, you know, bottom five, maybe, you know, bottom six, bottom seven, if, if they do pretty well and go on a little bit of a run. Mill, what about you? I, like everyone else said, I wouldn't be surprised to see them towards the bottom or at least in a higher draft situation. Uh, just because the state of the team, you know, we don't expect Bedard to to carry it all. And also, too, hopefully nobody gets hurt, but those time things do happen. And a couple of key guys missing time could really affect their situation pretty drastically. Um but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I kind of also see them sort of topping out towards the, uh, not playoffs by any means, but towards the upper end of the teams missing the playoffs, if that makes sense. Okay, so not, that, not like within reach, but just like, you know, not the worst. They could top out a little higher. Like like number 20 in the league overall? Maybe a little, like... Maybe, maybe like well, 22. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Just beca- and the reason I say that is... You know, I, you guys got me thinking about the back end of the season, and it could go like, "Hey, they trade a bunch of guys away, guys miss time," or it could be kind of, "Hey, you know, we we have the group we have, and everyone's putting it together." And who knows? I don't know. Yeah. The power plays twenty two percent. Yeah, but I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't wager on that. I'm just saying it, it, it yeah. could happen. Yeah, and I, I think we should reiterate once again. Uh, regardless of where they end up, they are by God going to be so much more interesting than they were last season. I mean, uh, just watching preseason, like I think I've watched in the like last five or six years, I think I've maybe watched a period or two of preseason hockey just because it just wasn't interesting. I've watched three full games mainly because Connor Bedard was skating in them. And and he alone makes his team more interesting. But then also you factor in, you know, the Reichels and Kurashevs and Kaisers. Like there, there's a lot more things to watch about this team this season than last year. And that just such a it's such a relief. I'm so glad that there's something interesting about this team to watch and write and talk about. And uh should be a fun year to do so. So uh any final thoughts? Anything we missed? I, I think we got I think we covered pretty much every name on the roster. Uh, even talked about the coach a little bit there at the end. So, uh, Betsy, anything else? 
No, I think we've covered it. Eric, what about you? Yeah, no, there's there's nothing else jumping out at me. All right, Mill. Um, I just hope that we all have an enjoyable season, both writing and on the podcast together, and uh, everybody in the comments section. I hope it's a lot more fun. It's been pretty pretty brutal last couple of years. Um, I think we had a lot of setbacks with the team on and off the ice, the state of the website. So hopefully we're moving forward from all of that and uh, we can just have a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I would echo every single part of that. And, and, and one thing I, I was going to mention this in the preamble and I forgot. So I want to do this here real quickly. So uh, I, I think this has happened a few times in the past. And I think I've referenced it a few times in the past, but um we do have media credentials for covering Blackhawks games this season. Um, well, I, I should say we have the opportunity to request them for games. And every time we have requested them, they have been granted. Now, myself and Eric are the only two on this show and on the site that are within a reasonable driving distance of Chicago. Uh, Mill's right on the cusp of it. but it, I get to you see in about 45 yeah. minutes. Really? I, I would have taken the over on that. Um so, I mean, usually if there's traffic, but I can okay. do it. So so the point of all this is say that like part of the content you're going to get from us this season, what we are going to try real, real hard to do is like we're going to have the ability to interview players and sit in on press conferences and ask questions to the coaches and players in there. And that is going to go into some of the exclusive content that you can sign up for with our two subscription tiers. It's just uh, my we all have full time jobs outside of this uh this website that we're all working together on. So we are not going to be at every game and every practice. And I'm, we're not going to be tweeting updates every single day, but we hope we're going to get there enough to talk to some players and get some interesting stories and, and just to get something. Uh, I have no idea what it's going to be like. Uh, I, I have no idea what exactly we're going to get. Uh, we did have, uh, there was an article on Ethan Del Mastro right when training camp opened. Um, so you can go back in the archives and read that. It's only a week or two old. Um, but uh, I'm not entirely sure what it is going to be, but we are going to try and do something. And uh, I'm very excited about that opportunity. So that should be a lot of fun too. Um, but other than that, I think that's it for our, our hockey talk. And uh, we got running a little long here. So I want to get to our food take quickly. And this was mine. And this was actually part of my dinner this evening. So uh, I, I had some Chinese food for dinner. And I, I think I have the one Chinese food item that, depending on which Chinese restaurant you go to, has the highest variance between being really, really good or just terrible, and that is crab ragoon. If you go to a place that makes a really good crab ragoon, cherish that place and adore it and worship it and patronize it as much as possible because there is something about that particular item that – is not easy. It's, it seems like it is not easy to make it. If it, it is very easy to screw up and when places do it right, it is so damn good. Um, and I'm just saying that cause I had it about an hour and a half ago and I can still taste it a little bit. So, so that's my food take. And anybody have any other thoughts on the, the Chinese food that offers the highest variance in terms of quality? Not well, piggybacking off of that a little bit. I feel like I can tell instantly, like, if you're having a new Chinese place by the first bite of an egg roll, I can tell whether or not I'm going to like the food. Like if the egg roll is on point and maybe it's just, there's a certain kind of style, you know, or regional flair that I grew up eating that lends itself, you know, to, to, to the type of Chinese food that I like. 
but I could usually tell right away off, you know, the first bite of an egg roll, whether or not I'm going to like the rest of the meal. Yeah, I would have said any of the appetizers would be the ones that have the largest variety because uh, it's always the ones that have wrappers involved. Because what, okay, can, okay. what can make or break an egg roll, a spring roll, a crab or goon, any of those that have like wrappers um, is whatever, how thick or thin or crispy that wrapper is. Because if you've ever had a egg roll that has too thick of a pastry um, wrapped around it, it's you're like, it's disgusting. Like it just makes everything not, you're automatically like, well, this meal's going to suck. Uh, <laughs> so like that's my, the most disappointing thing is when you get a bad egg roll or spring roll to me. Um, and those are the ones that are the most hit or miss. Yeah, I will. I will say there was an egg roll with this food, and it was also delightful. So uh, you know what? Shout out to China Coon and Griffith in uh, Northwest Indiana. Wonderful place. Highly recommend. Uh, we should get them to sponsor the show so they can give us free food. But yeah, go go check that place out. Mill, Mill, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I disagree with what you guys all said, but I did want to toss something out there since this is the season uh, premiere. Please do. Uh, about a month and a half ago, my doctor had me go back on eating meat. Oh, okay. So, I'll have Big way news. more food takes. Yeah, Big I'll have news. way more food takes. I'm like a garbage disposal lately. It's great. <laughs> was there was there like uh were you like protein deficient or something? Um, a little bit of that and just I was having some stomach stuff going on. And uh he's just like, look, just like, you know, work it into your diet, you know, eat some chicken or whatever. And I'm like, great. And I was just going to buy pork chops and steak and <laughs> you know, everything he doesn't want me to eat. Yeah, yeah. Well But uh, you know, it's been a it's been a good um it's it's basically I'm back. <laughs> what was the first thing that you ate? Um, chicken. It was like a rotisserie he, chicken. Okay. But it was home homemade. My uncle we, he had a barbecue, so I went over there and he had chicken on the on the charcoal grill, like the beer chicken. Ooh. Okay. So it wasn't oh, really yeah. rotisserie, but it's kind of like that. And then um, I slowly kind of reintroduced the red meat, so now I've been kind of eating everything. Uh, Giro and Giro Burger. Uh, Ooh. I missed it so much. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be trying everything. Um, I wasn't like full vegan, but I was vegetarian for like seven and a half years. Okay, okay. wow. So I'm gonna go to the United Center and try everything. Yeah, and your tummy must have been like. Grr, the entire time, like the very first couple of times. Um, if I go, I find if I go really long between eating just eggs, the next time I have eggs, my stomach is like, what the fuck are you putting in you? <laughs> you know, I think it's on a per person basis because surprisingly it, it felt fine. But I think it's because I wasn't eating meat, but I drink so much like coffee and caffeine and booze, I guess. You're like, so, my body you know. is trash in here. So at least this is. Yeah. You got you to gotta keep your intestines on their toes. Yeah, so um, so that'll be fun for the food takes. Okay, all right. Well, just wanted uh, to toss that out there. Every like, once in a while, I'm gonna have a southern one, just a purely southern food take for you guys. I've decided that's gonna be my contribution this year. Oh, oh, please do. I mean, well, I mean, we, Grits we, was a recurring character. Yes. I know. <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure I'm sure there's plenty of other delightful southern food dishes that we have not discussed yet. So. Are, I mean, we talked. We also talked about how macaroni is a vegetable in the south so yeah. <laughs> that's right 
That I was going to say, you can make up all kinds of stuff, and we will just have no idea oh, whether oh, or not any yeah. any of it is true. Yeah, That's yeah, also we're, true. We're, we won't even Google it. We're within a circle of trust here, Betsy. We're going to need you to not make us look like northern idiots. I know, I know us damn Yankees up here uh, can be can be gullible at times, but... Yeah. <laughs> Well, I look forward to having uh, I, I I look forward to having some overpriced food at the UC with everybody soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, then uh, I think that is going to do it for this edition of Musings on Madison. And uh, again, we're we're all really excited. Uh, I think it's I'm, I I think we're glad the the games are here and the season's here and we get to see wherever the hell this ride is going to take us next. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Well, let let's hope it's good. I mean, like we. We we had our discussion about the other Chicago teams lately that, that and everything that they've been doing to us. So maybe maybe this one just like and like the uh, just the odds should be in the favor of the Blackhawks having a fun season because there's been so many miserable ones. So uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you to Betsy and Eric and Mill for hanging out tonight. Uh, thanks to you for listening. And we'll be back on our our should be a weekly schedule now with this episode. And again, stay tuned to the website. A whole bunch of stuff going up there all season. Uh, we're going to mix in some other podcast stuff too. We just, we got a lot of stuff and uh, the more support we get, the more stuff we can do. So anything you can do to help us out and keep this place uh, humming along at full speed would be much appreciated. Um, but I guess the next time we talk to you, we will be talking after a few Connor Bedard games in Chicago or as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks, at least. And uh, we can't wait to do that. And we'll talk to you. Later.